Hey, how about those kids, huh? Weren't they tremendous? They were great today, huh? Let me encourage you with something. You know, like in, in years that I've been on the north side, 28 years, I've watched all kinds of things happen. And a lot of times when you go down, when they're playing football or you're going to watch them do a, a play, literally you'll, you'll find about 12 or 14 people in the stands. So when they come to some, something like this and they sing and they work so hard and then they sing and then you respond like you do and you show up, that's so encouraging to them. So I want to put my hands together for you today, and I want to thank you for encouraging them. Thank you very much. You know, we're, we're, we're celebrating our partnership today between Christ Church and Urban Impact. You know, we've been partnering in the gospel for 13 years. We've been transforming lives on the north side of Pittsburgh, one person, one family, one block at a time. In 2013, we touched 1,500 kids. We saw 325 people respond to the gospel. We served over 26,500 meals to kids. Uh, Every one of our seniors that came consistently to one of our programs graduated at 97%, graduated from high school. And then 95% of them transitioned out of high school and either went to college, to a trade school, got a job, went into the military or ministry. We're touching thousands of people on the north side. And we are transforming lives, one person, one family, one block at a time, together. And I want to thank you for the partnership. I want to thank you for being faithful, to pray, thankful, to give. I want to thank you for giving. I want to thank you for serving. Because of all of this, us working together, we truly are touching thousands of people's lives, and people's lives are being transformed. So thank you, and thank God. He's still in our midst. I believe that God isn't done with us. I believe that God has tremendous opportunities for us Matter of fact, he's opening doors, unprecedented doors for Urban Impact Foundation on the north side of Pittsburgh. And I just think it's appropriate today that we call the sermon the church of the open door. The church of the open door. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I would ask right now that you will be, that you will be the preacher and that you would speak to your people and you wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. In Revelation, that's our passage, Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13, but this morning we're just going to be looking at two verses, verses 7 and 8. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to look at two verses, 7 and 8. Starting with verse 7, it says this, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These are the words of him who is, who is holy and true, <coughs> who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door, and no one can shut it. No one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and not denied my name. In the book of Revelation, Jesus, through the apostle John, is talking to the church in Philadelphia, and he's opening a door of ministry and opening a door for the gospel here. Before I go any further, I just want to give you some background about the church and about the city of Philadelphia. Now, what I'm talking about, I talk about the city of Philadelphia. Of course, I'm not talking about the city in Pennsylvania, right? I'm talking about the city that's located right now or would have been located in what we call today Turkey. Now, I've showed you a map. See that little island there called Patmos? That's where the apostle John wrote the book of Revelation. And he wrote the seven churches in the sixth church, the sixth church is Philadelphia. And that church 
carries the name of the city, and the city is the city of Philadelphia. Now, that city was founded about 150 years before Christ was born, and it was founded because of, of a founder. And the, and the actual city is named after one of its founders. It had two of them. They were, they were two brothers. But this one brother, he was really known for being very, very loyal to his, his older brother. So they ended up, if you will, nicknaming him Brother Lover. Now you notice I didn't say Brother Glover there, right? I said Brother Lover. And they gave him the name, and then they named the city after him. And that's why Philadelphia, the actual name, as we know it, means Brother, wait a minute, means what now? Very good. So you do know. It means, it means brotherly love. Now, I'll say this to you, though. If you ever go to the city of Philadelphia and you go to an Eagles game and you have a Steeler uniform on or shirt, jersey, man, you don't feel love there, folks. But it was called the city of Philadelphia. Now, this very Greek city was built and uniquely positioned at the crossroads of three countries. It was hoped that because of its location, the Greek culture and Greek language, language would be transmitted to the regions beyond by everyone who passed through the city of Philadelphia on their way to some other place. And that's exactly what happened. Philadelphia became the door that opened the surrounding countries to the Greek way of life. That's important because in the same way that Philadelphia passed on the Greek culture and language, the Philadelphian church in our passage, was uniquely positioned to pass on the gospel of Christ to the regions beyond. And just like they were positioned uniquely to pass on the gospel, I believe Christ Church in Urban Impact is strategically located to pass on the gospel, not only to Swickley and to the north side of Pittsburgh, but to the region. I really do. I believe we are uniquely positioned up here on Mount Nebo and urban impact down on the north side, <clears throat> that God could use us to really move the gospel, advance the gospel throughout the region. Well, with that being said, let's just look at verse 7 together. It says this, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these are the words of him who is holy and true. Jesus is introducing himself here. And he's saying he's holy. That means, those, that, that word literally means incorruptible, flawless. The word true there means genuine. So Jesus is saying to the church of Philadelphia, I am flawless, I am incorruptible, and I'm genuine. And the reason he's saying that is because he's about to say something to them that is absolutely encouraging and almost unbelievable. He's going to say something to this church that he didn't say to any of the other churches. And what he's doing, he's trying to establish this. He's trying to say, I'm the real deal, and what I'm about to say, you can count on. Now remember, he's talking to the church. They're talking about the believers here. So I started asking this question to myself. Why is Jesus working so hard to establish his credentials here? Why is he, keep, why is he saying, I'm holy and true? You know why? Because he's speaking to believers. And he wants to tell them something that they can count on. You know, as believers, there's times that in all of our lives when, we're, when our faith is weak. 
And we need a word, a word from God. We need God to speak to us, to give us something so that we can trust, we can be assured, that we can be encouraged. Huh? Isn't that true? I know that's true in my life. And when I'm discouraged or overwhelmed, a lot of times God will use a sermon to speak to me. Or I'll be studying the word of God and a word would jump right out at me. Or I'm listening to a song and God will use a word in that song just to encourage my spirit and my soul. He wants to give a word to this church. Because you see, this church is up against it. It's located right smack in one of the biggest parts of the Roman Empire. And, and it's anti, everybody in that culture is anti-Christian. And there they are standing up against it. And he wants to give them a word. Do you need a word today? Huh? Are we not up against it? Are we not swimming upstream? And when you swim upstream, you want that word from God that gives you that word that you say, that's true, that's real, that's what I can hang on to, and you can take that one to the bank and you stand on that word. Well, God, I believe, has got a word for you. He gave a word to the church in Philadelphia. And this is the word. He said this to them. He said, by the way, let me just tell you this before I move on. Let me tell you this. There was a time when I was really discouraged, and God just gave me a word. You know that Tammy and I moved on the north side 28 years ago. We renovated an apartment. We went around the corner, renovated a home. I was six years into it, into the ministry. I walked out of my house, and on the street where I lived, four out of five homes were boarded up and unoccupied. Very high-risk little area. And I remember walking out of my house... And my car was missing for the third time. And I just kind of stood there and I said, I was discouraging, right? And I said, Lord, am I wasting my time? Can we really make any kind of a difference here? And right then, God gave me a word. He said, Ed, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Then he took my mind and he began to help me to think, if I could impact one person, then one family, then one block, we could really transform the community. And right then is when Urban Impact Foundation was born, when I was struggling, when I was weak, when I was overwhelmed, God gave me a word, and that word to this day, Urban Impact Foundation, is still transforming lives on the north side of Pittsburgh. Say it with me. One person, one family, one block at a time. Now say it like you mean it. One person. And we're still doing that together after 13 years, Urban Impact and Christ Church partnering together, transforming lives on the north side. God gave us a word when I needed it, and he's going to give us a word today. Listen to this. He says to the church in Philadelphia, he says this in verse 7, he who holds the key of David, wow, what in the world does that mean? That's the word right there. He holds the key of David. Now, what he's doing is using an Old Testament phrase. He's, he's talking about somebody who held a key. And this person was an Old Testament person who was a trust, trustworthy, trustworthy servant who held the key to King David's riches and King David's kingdom. In other words, this one person held the key to unlock or lock the doors to the riches of David in the kingdom back in those days. Jesus is saying, I hold that key. And it's not the key of the king of David any longer. It's the key of the king of kings. I hold that key, but that key isn't about 
an earthly kingdom any longer. It's about the kingdom of God. What he's saying to the church is this. He's saying, my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills, my friend, and I hold the key, and I can open up every physical blessing that you will need if you will be faithful to the gospel. I will open up doors of opportunity, and whatever I order, I will pay for. I will open up the heavens and absolutely extend to you everything you need to get my work done. That's what he's saying to the church. But he's not only saying that I'll give you every physical blessing, every, he's also saying I'll give you every spiritual blessing. Because he's already said to the church in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, he said this, I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death in Hades. In other words, we know that Jesus Christ died and was raised again from the dead, and he conquered death. The kids sang about that today. And he walked out of the grave, and now he lives. And if anybody believes and repents of their sin and calls upon his name, Jesus Christ alone has the power and the authority, the only one who has the power and authority to forgive you of your sin and to give you eternal life. He was saying to the church, I will give you every physical and spiritual blessing that you need if you will be faithful to walk through the doors of opportunity that I give to you so that my gospel, my mission might advance. How would you like God saying that to you? I'll give you everything you need. Well, he just did. I'll give you everything you need. I'll pour it. Whatever I order, I'll pay for. Whatever you do, I'll do it. Because if you are faithful to my gospel, if you're faithful to me and my mission, I will take care of you and yours. I will do it. Boy, that's a word. And they needed that word. Because they were up against the Roman Empire. And they needed God to say that to them and resonate that within their spirit. That God was with them. They were not invisible. That he was going to do it. I want you to know, why did he say this to this particular church though? Matter of fact, he doesn't say it to the other other churches. Doesn't mention it at all to them. Only to this church. Why? Well, he tells us. In verse 8 it says, because I know your deeds. Because I know your deeds, see, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. That's verse 8. And what are those deeds, he tells us. Verse 8, it says, I know that you have, number one, little strength, yet, number two, kept my word, and three, not denied my name. So you have little strength, you kept my word, and you didn't deny my name. And because of that, I'm going to open these doors to you. In other words, they had confidence in Christ's strength and not their own. They were committed to the word of God, and they did not compromise the deity of Christ. Wow, let's learn from this church, huh? Let's learn from this church so that we will continue to be a church of the open door. So that the partnership between Christ Church and Urban Impact Foundation will continue to see the blessings, continue to see these doors of opportunity. And I'm going to talk to you at the end about unprecedented opportunities that God has given to us. But we need to learn some things from this particular church. Now, when I'm talking to you today, yes, God is speaking to the church. But he's also speaking to each and every one of us because the church is made up of people. So he's talking to us. We need to listen to him as an individual, but yet as a church. Okay? Let's get started. First of all, we need to have confidence 
in Christ's strength and not our own. Verse 8 says, I know that you have little strength. That sort of sounds like a backhanded compliment, doesn't it? I mean, if somebody is to walk up to you and say, hey, you're a little weak. I mean, do you feel like encouraged? It's not a compliment. Yeah, it is when you understand its context. Jesus is not only, he's not only, compl- he's, he's not only complimenting them, he's commending them. And the reason he's commending them is because they have recognized, they realized that they were weak, but he was strong. They were weak, but he was strong. You know, it's not easy to walk in the strength of Christ because we're all prone to go our own way. We're all prone to lean on our own understanding. We're all prone to lean on our own strength rather than his. It's not that easy to do, but these folks were doing it. You know, many of us, have a tendency to trust and lean on our influence or our wealth, our intelligence, our hard work, our abilities, our resources. We have that tendency. I know I do. And I remember a time I did it. I was in the mall. And uh, my wife, Tammy, was gone. She doesn't go very often, but she left me with all the kids. She's never done that again. And I had my son Nathan and Joshua and Jonathan and Abby, and they were really little. And we were in the mall. And it was time to go. And those of you who know me, you know that I can lose my keys. And I lost them. And I couldn't find them reaching in my pocket trying to find my keys. There's no, no other set of keys. We were stuck in the mall. There was, even if we got a ride home, we couldn't get in the house. So I looked at the kids and I said, listen, we got to go back and retrace everywhere we've been. we got to go back and just, because we can't get in the house. We're not going to be able to drive home. So we went back to the beginning of the mall where we walked in and we walked up and down that mall. It seemed like for days, probably about an hour. But I was frustrated. I was absolutely exhausted and so were they. And I finally huddled them up in the mall and I said, listen, we got to pray. So we bowed our heads and this is the kind of prayer I prayed. I said, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for not coming to you first and trying to do this myself. You know where these keys are. You are all knowing. I'm asking you by your spirit to lead us to those keys. In Jesus' name, amen. Right then I had a thought in my mind. When I first walked into the mall, I went to a display. It was a table. I turned to my left. 20 steps away from me was the table. I walked over to the table and I said, hey, have you seen my set of keys? They said, no. And then I turned to my right, up on the display was my keys. I took my keys, I showed them to my kids. We went crazy. We were worshiping God, we were thanking God, we were praising God. Everybody in that place that was around us thought we were nuts. We didn't care. We were thankful that we had these keys. And we were walking out of the mall, and I tell you the truth, just as I'm speaking to you, God said this to me, Ed, I do not want you just to depend upon me for the big things in life. I want you to depend upon me in all things in life. And I learned a a very strong lesson about how not to put confidence in myself, but to put my confidence in Christ and his strength. The Bible says that we we can't do anything apart from him. But with him, we can do all things because Christ is the one who strengthens us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. 
You know, we not only can do that as an individual, but we can do that as a church. We can begin to live independent of Christ. We can begin to live in our own strength. It can happen. We begin to look at our buildings and our budgets, our talents and our technology, our systems and our structures and our organization. And then all of a sudden, we're looking to our systems rather than Christ. We begin to look to our strengths rather than walking in the Spirit. Now let me stop right here and say this to us. I'm not saying budgets and buildings and systems and technology are bad. I'm saying they're good and they're needed. They're absolutely needed. But what I am saying is that we have to be very careful that they, that they do not become a stumbling block or a substitute for us depending upon the Holy Spirit. You see, the only one that can live the Christian life is Jesus. And he gave us his spirit so that we might be empowered by the spirit to live in Christ. You can't do, we can't do anything apart from him. So the moment we begin to look to all those other things rather than depend upon him and lean on him, then we become as a church like any other institution on the planet. The only difference between the, a church and IBM or a school or anything else or the YMCA or anything else that you might go to down at uh, LA Fitness, the only difference between that building and the people that go there is that Jesus Christ dwells within us. And it's through his power and through the spirit of God that people's lives are transformed. So if we are not being led by him, then we're being led by each other. And I'll tell you what, that's a major mistake. We've got to be led by Jesus Christ in his spirit. Let me tell you a story that hopefully will help you. Understand what I'm trying to say here. Story about a true story about a school that in Texas caught fire and burned to the ground. And hundreds of children were lost in that fire. And people were going through the rubble trying to figure out how in the world this school caught on fire and burned to the ground. The entire building burned to the ground. And he discovered that the sprinkling, sprinkling system in the building was broken, dysfunctioned. The mayor of the town got up in front of everybody during this tragedy and said, this will never happen again. We're going to do everything. We're going to rebuild the school, and then we're going to put the best sprinkler system that money can buy in that school. And they did it. And once it was all there and all the kids were going to school, then they had fire drill after fire drill after fire drill. They put systems and procedures together. They had it all worked out, and they were getting those kids out of that school in record time, and then the fire marshal showed up. And he, gave, and he had a real fire drill. Now, they'd been practicing for months. The fire marshal, at the end of the time, the principal and the mayor knew that they got those kids out in record time. So they ran up to the, the fire marshal and said, so, hey, how'd we do? He said, well, you flunked. He said, what do you mean, what do you mean we flunked? How could we flunk? He said, well, you have one of the best buildings in the state of Texas. You definitely have the best sprinkler system that money can buy. You got the kids out in record time. You have unbelievable systems and procedures. The problem is the sprinkler system was never hooked up to the water line. Never hooked up. Hear me. We can have the best budget, the best buildings, the best leaders. 
You can have the best everything that money can buy. You can have it all. You can have technology, screens, lights, heat. You can have it all. But if Christ is not leading us, if we are not hooked up with the Holy Spirit, we're not connected to him, we're dead. We're dead. No different than any other institution on the planet. The power comes from Christ and Christ alone and from his spirit. This church was led by the spirit of Christ and therefore he could trust him. He could trust them and he continued to open up doors of opportunity. If we continue to walk in the spirit like we have, I believe that we'll continue to be blessed. We'll continue to have doors of opportunity open to us beyond our imaginations. Because I know that you as a church and we at Urban Impact together, we're committed to allow Jesus Christ to lead us and not to be led by our own strength and our own wisdom. And if we'll do, continue to do that, I believe God is going to continue to do things Again, beyond our imagination. The second thing that we can learn from this church that we need to apply in our own lives as well as a congregation is this. Number two, that not only that they were a church and a people who were confident in Christ's strength and not their own, but number two, they were committed to the word of God. This is what verse eight says to us. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word. Remember, they were living in a culture that was anti-Christian. And there were people that were coming trying to subtract or add or reinterpret what Jesus said. And they said, no way. We're holding true to the word of God. Today it's no different. There are people coming trying to change, trying to subtract and add to and try to reinterpret the Bible. And we as the people of God need to be the people of the book. We need to be committed to the word of God. Look what it says over in 2 Timothy 2.15, it says this, Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. You know, I've been coming here for years to Christ's church, and one thing I've always noticed is this. There's only one textbook. It's the Bible. And John Guest, over all these years, has been faithful to preach the word of God. And I believe as you, as, as we as a church continue to be committed to the word of God, urban impact is committed to the word of God, God will continue to open up doors. And he'll continue to open up those doors and give, us, give to us every physical and spiritual blessing we need to get his work done. And I know that because of this great, this great thought. Hear me. When Bible doctrine is taught and truth is kept, God is honored, and God honors those who honor him. This church was being honored, being commended, because it held to the word of God. Last, they also, it says in verse 8, I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. In other words, they did not compromise the deity of Christ. They did not compromise in those days, just like today, there are people coming, and they were false teachers. They were coming into that, into, that, into that congregation, trying to help the people to understand, trying to convince them, that Jesus Christ was nothing more than a prophet. He was nothing more than just a good teacher. Sound familiar? 
Nothing new under the sun. They still try to make Christ into this person who's just a man, like you and me, who happened to be a prophet. That's not what Jesus Christ taught at all. He said that he was the, he was the son of God and the son of man. Yes, he was totally man. But he also claimed that he was the son of God. He was God, the second person in the Trinity. He said this. He said, as you've seen the Father, you've seen me. As you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Matter of fact, the reason why they crucified him is because he claimed to be God. He made the statement and the claims about him that he was the Emmanuel, God with us. May we never, ever compromise that truth about who Jesus Christ is. And if we won't, and if we stay committed to the word of God and rely heavily on the strength of Christ, God will continue to open up doors for all of us. But I want to help you now to understand what it means to have an open door. What does the Bible mean when it says an open door? Tammy and I did a word study, and we looked at all the verses that we could find where that, say, that phrase is found. Open door. And what we found every time it's, it's used in the scripture, it's equal to the ministry of the gospel. Some aspect of the gospel is always connected to an open door. For example, over in Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, it says this. Pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. So the door is the message. The message is the mystery of Christ, which is the gospel. And the gospel is this. God the Son and the Son of God, the God-man came. He died on a cross. He was raised again from the dead for our sins. And anybody who believes and repents of their sin and believes upon him, he can forgive them and give to them eternal life. That's the gospel. And that's what we're celebrating this morning. We're celebrating the partnership that we've had in the gospel for all these years. And we're celebrating the fact that that God is using us because that's his mission. His mission is for us to know God and to make him known. Our mission is to make, make sure that that message of Jesus Christ goes out among the people. And we're doing that together. And we're transforming lives on the north side of Pittsburgh. But we're on a mission, folks. And we're about doing that for the glory of God. Now let me ask you this. How can you get involved? If that's our mission, if that's what we're supposed to do, if we're willing to do these three things, then how and what should I do? How can I get involved? Well, Pastor John, over all these years, has always said this. He's always said, nothing moves without prayer, leadership, and money. So let me go through that with you very quickly. We're here to, to talk to you about how to get involved with Urban Impact. Well, we gave you a card. The card looks like this. I'm asking you to consider praying for Urban Impact Foundation. I'm asking you to take this card out and put it in your Bible and pray. I'm asking you to pray at least once a week. I want you to know at Urban Impact Foundation, every week, sometime or another, I know I'm praying, my staff is praying for you. Now we're just asking you to partner with us and pray at least once a week. Now, I don't want to find these cards laying all over the, the pews, okay? So if you're not going to do it, then just take it and throw it in the trash. But if you really mean business, you want to be the church of an open door, you want to see God's message advance, you want to see people's lives being transformed, one of the greatest things you can do is pray. The church has always moved on its knees. 
I'm asking you to pray for us. Make that commitment right now. Say, I'm going to pray at least once a week. Put this in your Bible. Second, we also gave you this. We gave you this little insert that tells you, pastor's always saying, nothing moves without prayer and leadership. These, these are different ways that you can serve. I want you to know at Urban Impact Foundation, you can serve in the morning, you can serve in the afternoon, you can serve at night, six days a week. So it doesn't matter the time of the day, you can come down and serve. And we need teachers, tutors, we need coaches, we need lots of people to come, help us serve food, and you can do it any time of any time of the day. So I'm encouraging you to go out to the tables, they're going to be right out there, and I'm encouraging you to go out and get involved and serve. Last, I'm encouraging you to give. John's always saying nothing moves without prayer, leadership, and money. Now, you are a congregation that gives, but I want you to give you an opportunity to hear about something else you can give to, which is actually the backbone of Urban Impact Foundation, and that's called our missionaries. Our missionaries are the backbone. These are people like Tammy and I who've come and live on the north side of Pittsburgh. They raise their own support, and they do that because they're following the example of Jesus Christ. What did Jesus do? Did he shoot down from heaven one day a week and then shoot back up to heaven for the next six? No, he came down and he became one of us and he lived among us and he earned the right to be heard. He built relationships with people and he lived among them and he communicated and demonstrated the love of God till they asked him for the reason of his hope and then he shared the gospel with those people. That's what Urban Impact's doing with missionaries. I am going to have 17 of them this year. And out of those 17 missionaries, what we have learned for every missionary that we have on the north side of Pittsburgh, we can truly impact 100 kids. So one of the greatest things you can do is get behind a missionary and support them. Right now, we're behind tens of thousands of dollars supporting those missionaries. And that means if we don't get that money, those missionaries lose their jobs. Are you kidding me? Really? Yeah, really. We talk about all the problems that are going on in our city. We talk about all those issues. And we at Christ Church and Urban Impact Foundation, God is giving us unprecedented opportunities. It is amazing. If you don't know what they are, go out and get the newsletter. Today before you leave, you go to the table and you ask them, I want that newsletter. I want that newsletter coming to my house. I want to read about the great things that are going on. I'm telling you, it's unprecedented to think I don't have time. I'm running out of time. I don't have time to tell you about it. But let me say this to you. I mean, we're seeing lives trans. We're seeing people get healed. We're pe seeing people delivered. We're seeing people get saved. We're in school, out of schools, working with businesses, working with schools, working with churches. It's amazing. But some of that stuff can stop if we lose these missionaries. So I'm asking you to consider supporting them. $25 a month. But hear me, you can't take, don't do this, please. Don't take from Peter to pay Paul. Say, okay, I give $25 a month right now to Urban Impact, so now I'm just going to give it to the missionary. That doesn't help anything, because now the organization struggles. I'm asking you today to consider and to pray about supporting an urban missionary that's down there 24-7, building relationships, making an impact, sharing the gospel, transforming people's lives. Now, I'll ask you, some of you would say to me, you always say to me, Pastor Ed, I'd like to be down there. Well, you can be by supporting that missionary. You can be there making a difference. So what am I asking today? I'm asking you to consider praying. 
I'm asking you to consider getting the newsletter. I'm asking you to go out and think about volunteering. I'm asking you to think about giving to a missionary. But some of you are saying, Pastor, I might be able to give, I might be able to pray, but I can't go downtown and serve. Well, guess what? You can serve right here. Christ Church made a video for the cafe. You know the cafe. All the proceeds of that cafe goes to Urban Impact. And you can serve every Sunday, any Sunday of the month, of the week, right here by just getting involved with the cafe. I'm going to ask you right now just to watch this video. It's fun. It's exciting. And think about possibly volunteering for the cafe. Here's the video. Yeah, very good. Great job, Christ Church. I want to thank all of you. I want to thank all of you for how you go to the cafe. You know all the proceeds goes to help us to make an impact together. But I want to say this as we close. I'm very proud of you. Very proud of you as a church. You know, people come to me and they'll say, Pastor Ed, you know, how come you always are preaching up at Christ Church? Why don't you come and preach at our church? And I do preach at other churches. But I have people asking me all the time, can you come down and preach more here? Preach? They say, why do you stay up at Christ Church? Because we have a partnership. A partnership in the gospel. Because to, together, we're going to get it done. Together, we're going to use the opportunity that God's given to us in our locations. And we're going to do everything we can to, to impact the city of Pittsburgh and the region. We're going to be faithful to that gospel. So I thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for being the people of God. Thank you for not being afraid to walk through doors of opportunity. Thank you for being a people who have faith and courage. That's what I tell people. And I just wanted to tell you. So thank you. But let's get it done. Let's do it. That when we stand before God, that we know that we did everything we could to bring help, hope, and healing in Jesus' name. In our generation, one person, one family, one block at a time. You with me? Would you please stand now as we give a benediction to you? In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, I commit you now into the, their hands. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would help us all to walk in your strength, to be committed to your word, and not compromise who you are. And that we'll be faithful to walk through the opportunities that you give to us. For what, Lord, we ask these things together in Jesus' name. As we walk out of this room, may we know that you know us, you're with us, we are not invisible to you. And you're empowering us to do what you've created us to do. This week, may that be true in each and every one of us. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.